When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Tiger and Lyman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Okay, OU stuff. Mike Gundy killed Bedlam. BV and OU players had a lot to say at Big 12 Media Day. And big commitments from Dalen Smothers and Lewis Carter for the National College Football Roundup. We discussed some of the other highlights from Big 12 Media Day, including what the new Big 12 commissioner, Brett Yormark, had to say. And we finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hostie, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, July 18th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match roulette, and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And the Beats and Bites Festival is rolling, people. Scotty McCreary, July 30th. It's $5 general admission, and kids under 12 get in free. There will be a ton of food trucks, all kinds of things for the kiddos to do, including face painting, and an inflatable obstacle course. To buy tickets, visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this Sunday night, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. How are we doing, Mr. Lyman? Fantastic. I've got no complaints. Good weekend. Uh, everything in my world is excellent. We, we have a lot of OU football to catch up on, but before we do that, you recommended the terminal list. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, so good. Yeah. We, my wife and I, we mowed through it. You already it, watched the whole thing? Whole thing. Watched it all. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's great. It was, it's fantastic. I've told everyone that wants to listen. I was like, you got to watch it. It's fantastic. It's great. And I, I don't know how many books the writer has written, but I think I think there's several books out there. So when I heard an interview with him, he thought maybe there was going to be a season two. He just wasn't sure. 
I'm guessing as well received as it's been, um, they'll probably do a season two. It, as long as Chris Pratt is in it, I'm down. Me too. He's fantastic. He was Absolutely great. Fit. All right, we got to get to the OU stuff because there's a lot. So let's start here. So I was down in Dallas for Big 12 Media Day. They're doing stuff for SiriusXM. And maybe the number one place to start is, I think Mike Gundy killed Bedlam. <laughs> I think he straight up killed it, right? The quote, uh, the future in Bedlam is a year or two left. That's the future of Bedlam based on somebody else's decision. He also said, Bedlam's not going to be Bedlam after they leave the conference. Well, all righty then. How about that? It was like the ending of Braveheart, right? When William Wallace is up there and there's a public execution. That's what Mike Gundy did to Bedlam uh, with, with everyone watching and listening. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. And, hey, you know, I, I, maybe I'm an idiot. But I still believe that there's just way too many good things that come out of it for both universities. But listening to Mike Gundy, you know, maybe that was his his way of telling everyone how he like even at his own university, how he feels about it. Yeah, it it was one of those things. It's like, I don't really have a say in it. He said that after he had killed it. You know, yeah. I I thought it was really interesting, though, because you and I, we said it on here a lot, right? We want Bedlam to keep being played. Now, what time of the year? I don't really care. I just, I love that game. You know, a, as an Oklahoman, I love that that game takes place. And I love what it means to people that live with each other here in the state. But, man, it, he didn't sugarcoat it. It sounds like that game's going away. And I, I know it's not solely up to Mike Gundy, but at least in football, I, I just don't want it to be the Texas and Texas A&M situation. They still haven't played. And it would just be so dumb. But, yeah, clearly Mike Gundy doesn't seem like he, like he has a ton of interest in playing Bedlam. Well, as strange as it sounds, it may not be Gundy or Oklahoma State or even Oklahoma that decides it may be the networks. You know, if the big 12 is trying to put together a network deal and I'm not sure how that works. I'm not sure if like, if it, when it's in Stillwater, it's a part of their deal. And so that's in- how it works. I asked. Okay. So, because it, it was something you and I had talked about. So I actually asked, I asked Chad Weiberg, I was interviewing him on Sirius and I, I said, uh, you know, educate me a little bit on how that works. And it's exactly how you're thinking. It's part of, it would be part of the SEC deal when the game would be in Norman and then it'd be part of whatever the new Big 12 media rights deal would look like when it was in Stillwater. I, I was like, huh. They're going to want that. Uh, you think? You that's think the Big be, 12 is going to yeah. want Bedlam? Uh, yeah. So that's, I mean, they can all say what they want, but whenever it comes to, to brass tacks and, and money's on the table, the the Big 12, whoever is partnering with the Big 12 in their new rights deal is going to look at that and say, uh, yeah, here's the number if you keep playing Bedlam. You would assume that game is very valuable to the Big 12 moving forward. Now, it could I, be wrong. I think, 
I think from I saw the spreadsheet once that had all the all the numbers for every Big 12 game. And I think that's the second rated game behind OU Texas. Because because it's wildly entertaining. Yeah, and there's and for you know a while, it's there's been a lot of lot of stuff on the line in that game. You know, there's been some Big Twelves decided by that game. So, yeah, it, it's it may not have been number two, but it was like you had OU Texas was number one. And then you had like a couple of different games that OU and Texas were in, uh, like against Oklahoma State or whoever that were just kind of all right there at the next line. So, and it was, it was one of them. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes down. Yeah. But, uh, he, Mike Gundy certainly got a lot of people's attention with that answer. Okay. As far as Brent Venables and, and the players that were there representing OU at Big 12 Media Day, I we asked it we asked BV an interesting question and it was the emotion he's coached with in the past like as a defensive coordinator like the the emotion he shows on the sideline if he thought that would have to change it all now that he's a head coach and, and basically his response was you know he said he's going to be a smart about everything like he's got to assess every situation as a head coach but he said he's not turning that intensity down and that he is who he is and that's the guy that they hired. So I, I wasn't, I hadn't really thought about it, but just hearing him say it, it just gets me fired up for the season, man. I can't wait to see him going. I don't want to say crazy. I, I can't wait to see the passion and enthusiasm on the sideline from him. I was, I was glad to hear him say that he was like, I've got to assume the players come in every day at like a two. So I got to be at a 10. He's like, and the same with the coaches. He's like, so I always got to be operating that way. It was pretty interesting to hear him talk about it. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I, I would expect him to be him, be there on the sideline, fully engaged, fully locked in. Uh, when the defense is out there, I expect him to be in full on coach mode. Um, barking from the sideline, yelling adjustments, yelling reminders at the players nonstop. I mean, that's who he is. Uh, and that's why we brought him here, right? It's kind of the same thing whenever Lincoln was here. Because there was there was always talk about, well, you know, would Lincoln ever, you know, pass on play calling duties or groom an offensive coordinator? It's like, oh, you wanted him because of, his play calling abilities and, and how good of an offensive coordinator he is. You don't really want to turn that off. And I know Venables isn't necessarily going to be calling the defense, but he's going to be fully engaged in, in what's going on out there. And I think that's a, a big bonus. Yeah. One other thing he, he was talking about Dylan Gabriel and he referred to him as a stealth bomber and also as a quiet assassin. Nice. <laughs> Which I just, I continue to be impressed by everything that anyone that's associated with the program has to say about Dylan Gabriel. Like I am starting to feel, and you and I were able to get out there in the spring and see him throw it around. Like, and he, he can rip it and he's more athletic and mobile than I thought he was, but just, just what people head coach 
teammates, you know, trainers, people around the program say about the guy. It just, it, it really has me believing this kid's about to have a massive season. Yeah. And he is, he's on island time, man. He is laid back and calm and collected. And, you know, I know whenever he plays, he flips that switch whenever he's out there on the field and he's super competitive, but his, his demeanor is a little bit closer to what we're used to at quarterback. It's weird. Baker Mayfield is really the one guy that we've had that was like this massive personality. You go back to Heupel, Jason White, Nate Hibble, like Bradford, Landry Jones, which Landry Jones got killed for being the same way Sam Bradford was, you know, but Landry was anyways, like it was a bunch of calm, like even Kyler calm, like no, not big ups and downs in their emotion. And I feel like that's how Dylan Gabriel is going to be. And ultimately I think that's usually a big plus for quarterbacks. Yeah. I I mean, that's what, it's what it sounds like in, you know, got to talk to him a little bit about the dime time retreat. And he, he really, he was like Russell Wilson did it, you know, back in the day, took his guys to Hawaii. And I told him because they went to that lake near Lawton. And I said, ah, everyone knows Lawton is, is the Maui of the mainland. <laughs> like everyone knows that that's what everyone calls Lawton. but it was, it was cool to hear him talk about, you know, just getting those guys together, creating that bond, that fellowship. But also, he, he, uh, I mean, he's trying to emulate guys that have done it at the highest level. So it is, he continues to impress, man. He does. Now, I know that if we're going to come on here during the season, we're going to judge him for how he plays on Saturdays. That's how this thing works. But it seems like he's doing everything the right way as this season gets closer and closer, which by the way, it's like a month and a half away. It's yeah. really sneaking up on us. I know it's going to be here really quick. Geez. They're going to be headed to training camp in what? A couple of weeks, two weeks yeah. quicker, perhaps. Yeah. So it's going to be here really, really fast. Yeah. Okay. So we asked, I, I asked BV about some position battles, you know, maybe thinking about, looking looking forward to camp and thinking about some of the position battles that may be interested to him the most. And he did one thing he mentioned, he brought, and this was the first name he mentioned was Tyler Guyton. And this is a guy that we've talked about. He's, he's got the raw materials, right? He's got size and length athleticism, but he basically said, Hey, watch out for Tyler Guyton. If, if Anton Harrison or Wadye Morris aren't getting it done in camp and Guyton continues to proceed or continues on the trajectory that he's on, that he could be a dude. And I, I was thinking Tyler Guyton maybe was more of going to be a big factor for this football team next season. But the way that BV brought him up first, I was like, okay, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to write that down. Yeah. Well, you can never have too many tackles, right? And, Correct. And the one thing that we've known and, and we've seen before is if you've got an extra tackle that's playing as good or maybe better, you can. You always have the option of sliding one of those guys down and putting 
finding a way to put your best five out there. And that's what Bean Bow will do. So that's great news. He's gigantic. He's six eight guy, isn't he? Yeah, he's huge. And he's, you know, 320 whatever pounds and still kind of looks skinny. Yeah. That's big time. Yeah. So between him, Harrison, Morris, and I would assume Savion Bird will factor in some way. It uh well, and we'll talk about position battles and like biggest question marks heading into the training camp uh, here, here down the line. But I, I thought that was really interesting. BV also said that he feels like they could have eight to 10 corners play, which I just thought was a massive number. I, it, it is, but, you know, whenever we've talked about the secondary and corners come up, it's like, I don't know. I, I think there's I think there's plenty of talent there. We haven't had a whole lot of consistency, but with some of the transfer guys, some of the younger guys, plus mixed in with a couple of the the veteran players, like there's a stacked group, and you just got to see you know when the cream rises to the top, who's left out there. But eight to ten guys, that's crazy. Now, right, you may start with that, but that will, I'm sure would narrow down pretty quickly, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you would assume it basically be like a bracket challenge for corners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. But you got to win your matchup that no, we'll see. We'll see what that looks like also. But I, I think I took that as a big positive, right? It, it feels like it's been a long time since the secondary, especially corner has been a strength of this football team. And for a guy that, you know, has the defensive reputation that BV's got, for him to say, you know, I feel like we could play eight guys and I feel pretty good about where they're at, putting them on the field. I That, that had me excited just to hear it being like, okay, if he's saying it, then I'm buying it. Yeah. Well, I, I love the personnel we've got there. We've got some good size. We've got some really good athletes some some really competitive guys, and we've got an excellent coach, which may be the most critical factor um, with Jay Valai. He played the position, played it at a high level in college and in the NFL, has spent a lot of time coaching the position. So I like where we sit there quite a bit. Just got to see how it all falls together. Like the, the ingredients I feel like are there. Yeah. There's no doubt. Okay, as far as the guys that were there, Ethan Downs, that guy has added some size, some mass. Uh, I mean, he he looked great. He did, and uh, I'll say he he made it sound like they just have a much better understanding of what each guy is supposed to do on defense, and that that knowledge base has really helped him and the other guys in that defensive line room to understand wh just what the goal is snap in and snap out in each call. And one of the things he said, he was like, I've got way more knowledge now and knowledge is power. And I, I really, I, I thought that that was he That was really good to hear. And also it, it is clear that Jerry Schmidt is not only just cause you see the physical development, but just hearing some of the things these guys said, I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. It's like we asked him to describe what OU defense was now, and it was one of those where he was like, 
given more than the other man is willing to give. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, that yep. sounds familiar. Yep, that's right. I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, he's been like 6'5", 265. If he puts on too much more mass, he's going to find himself sliding inside. This is a discussion that, so I was doing radio with Dave Archer, who used to, he played played quarterback at Iowa State, was the starting quarterback for the Falcons for a while. He does the the Atlanta Falcons radio call now. And after Ethan got up, we both looked at each other and we're like, how many burgers till he's a three technique? <laughs> well, hey, you know, there's he's there's, not, and I want to make it clear, he is jacked. He is right. not fluffy or anything like he looks fantastic, but it he probably could add, I mean, you could probably put some some weight on him and he could be a weapon as like one of those 280 pound, like super quick three techniques. Oh, well, and kick out in pass rushing downs um, or kick in on pass rushing downs from a defensive end spot. Like you can yeah. move, move those guys around. You've seen, you've seen different guys do that. JJ Watt moves around a lot. Uh, whenever he was really in his prime, he was moving all over the place on the defensive line. So he's an impressive young man. Like, Everything that he does physically is really doesn't even begin to compare to where he is just mentally, emotionally. Uh, that's you hear the old statement: if we had fifty of these guys, we'd never lose a game. That's Ethan Downs. Like that's that's how you want every player to be. Yeah, and then Marvin Mims. It was it was interesting, right? Because he basically told us, "Hey, I stayed because of Levy's offense." And that's what I always assumed. It was interesting to hear him actually talk about it, but he's moved on from the past. I mean, he made that really clear and he said, it's even hard for him to like, look back and remember how things used to be now that everything is so structured and, and disciplined and organized. I don't know. It just seems like he really enjoyed it. I will say this though, just his demeanor and I, I've interacted with Marvin a lot, right, since he's, you know, since he's been at OU. Man, that guy's got a chip on his shoulder. I mean, now, I don't want to make it sound he, – he wasn't, like, in a bad mood or anything. He wasn't – I mean, he's still high energy, but I, I could just tell just a little edge to him. And like, he's just ready to prove something. That's just – that's just the feeling I was getting – as I was talking to him and just being around him, it's not like he was annoyed, but there's just, it's like, you could just tell it's just lying there under the surface. Just like, okay, I'm, I'm going to prove something this year. I don't know. I kind of, I kind of enjoyed it. Well, he's got plenty there to motivate him, right? He he's probably tired of answering the the questions about Lincoln and whether or not he was going to transfer and, all of those questions. He's probably got, you know, uh, plenty of thoughts about, you know, being left off the all big 12 preseason list and, you know, everyone talking about who the best receivers in the big 12 are and, you know, not including him on that list. So that's good. That's good. As long as it's channeled in the right direction, that could be a, a great asset to have. And I fully believe he's got the capabilities to have a huge season the question is, can he fend off his own teammates? You know, that's like, there's going to be a ton of talent 
in that wide receiver room vying for opportunities out there on the field. And my guess is he has a big one. And I feel like this offense is going to suit him really well. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And then Woody Washington was the other guy there. I'll just say this, and he looks good. I mean, just seeing seeing him physically, and I know he was banged up last season, and I do think that's that's just really the key for him. Hey, play play a healthy season. But hearing him talk about, you know, him having the ability, or he could have, you know, could have transferred if he wanted to, you know, maybe could have tested the NFL if he wanted to, but that, you know, Venables and that reputation made it an easy decision for him. And he seems ultra motivated as well, right? This is a guy that I think had a spectacular spring. He looks really good physically. He's definitely added some size, but, you know, told me that he feels great. So I am, I'm excited to see what Woody Washington uh, does, uh, does this season because man, it, if it all comes together, Ted, it, it should be a big year for him. Yeah. Well, you know, depending on where Venables goes with the scheme, which, you know, I, I think he'll, he'll do a lot of zone stuff. You know, he's always been zone heavy and, you know, if you can add some size and add some explosiveness and in some different coverages, be able to physically challenge wide receivers right there at the line of scrimmage, be physical, know that you've got people over the top. Um, as long as you understand all of the the coverages and where you're supposed to fit, if you can add some size and explosiveness and be confident in where you fit in the framework of the coverage, then he's one of those guys that you could you expect to have, you know, a possibly a huge season. And that's the one thing is with some of the zone coverages that Venables plays, you could you can have potentially way more interceptions by corners. Sometimes it's hard to get an interception when you're playing man-to-man. But in zone, whenever you can, you know, pound guys at the line of scrimmage, then sink off or let a guy pass and kind of keep your what you're doing hidden from the quarterback, you could find yourself a lot of interceptions. Yeah. All right, let's talk some recruiting. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It keeps rolling, man. Stay busy. Uh, I mean, Dalen Smothers, first of all, what a name. Just what a fantastic <laughs> name. Dalen Smothers, 5'11", 185 running back from Charlotte. is the ninth-ranked running back in the 2023 class, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite, which, by the way, I think there's a big shakeup coming with the rankings. I think they're re-ranking a bunch of these kids. I think it's maybe Monday. So these rankings could change by the time some people listen to this. But – this is a guy that commits to OU. He took officials to NC State and Florida State, had offers from Bama and Ohio State. So, yeah, it, it seems like everyone wanted this kid. And DeMarco Murray strikes again, man. Yep. Once I'm telling you, whenever he gets into that living room and you've got an NFL, what, offensive MB, MVP sitting there, um, 
smart dude, charismatic, uh, a superstar. Like that's hard to that's hard to turn your nose up at. And you know, this is the first time he's really been able to get out and go see people and use that star power, and it's working big time. You know, you com- you combine what Demarco brings with Lebby's offense and how good it can be for the running game. It's it's a recruiting dream, and I think it's only going to continue to get better. Yeah, and you you look at now what Demarco has done. So Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk last in last year's class, two really highly rated guys. Now Caleb Hicks and Dalen Smothers in the 2023 class. So he he's got it rolling pretty good. But went ahead and uh, took a look at old Smothers highlights, and man, that guy looks like he can fly. Yeah. Now as impressive, you know, you can see him running away from guys. I, I don't know what the level of competition in North Carolina is. I don't care. The kid's fast. I know that. I mean, it, the, the lines are moving very quickly. <laughs> so I know, I know he can run, but to me, the most impressive thing, w- just when I watched that highlight tape, cause that's all I got to look at is the elusiveness in between the tackles, the suddenness, um, his ability to change direction. That that's the type of stuff that I like to see, like not the things where guys just hit the hole and they are untouched and they run for a touchdown. He's making guys, making guys miss in a phone booth. And that's, that's really impressive to me. seems like he's got really good feel, really good feet kind of in those tighter situations. And then I finish his runs. I mean, from everything I saw, the guy, he is falling forward and finishing physically and getting up and flexing on people. Uh, he seems, he seems like an exciting back and he's already 185 pounds. I mean, this guy will be 200 pounds in no time. Yeah. Guys like that are, are hell for a defense. Whenever you're playing a man short in the box, right? Whenever they're counting numbers, you got a guy short in the box and they hand it to a guy that's elusive in there because a lot of times you have backers that are going like from one A gap to the opposite B gap. They're accounting for two different gaps inside. Someone's going to have to have two gaps. And when you got a guy that's got that much shake, it looks like he's committed to one gap. And then he just quickly puts a toe on the ground and like goes backwards and hits the other gap after you've committed and everyone sifted up to you. You can never get back across, can make it, just hell for defenses. So um, I always like whenever we've got a group of guys in a position group that are all a little bit different. And I feel like you're starting to get that right now in the running back room. You know, I think Barnes and Sawchuck are a little bit different in what they do. You add Marcus Major, who's probably the thumper of the group right now, Eric Gray, seems to be your best all around type of back that, that can, can do pretty much everything. And, you know, you just continue to add some different body types that have different skill sets. Yeah, no, I, so it's exciting. And, you know, clearly the fan base is fired up with, with smothers. And also I was trying to think who's the last OU guy we've got from Charlotte. Hmm. I, I couldn't think of one. Now, I'm sure we could do some more research, but we'll get the research department right on that. But, like, an, did you have a teammate you could, like, from North Carolina? I can't remember. I don't think I had one. Certainly didn't have one in my recruiting class. 
I don't think so. No. Little I North don't. Carolina pipeline, little Charlotte pipeline now, huh? Well, it's a. Uh, I know that that part of the country is definitely close to where Venables has been in Clemson. I know this is DeMarco recruiting that area, but um, yeah, I it's, you know, this class, whenever you start to look at it, some really good homegrown talent, but it is, it's serious, like across the entire country, Nebraska, Kansas city, Florida, North Carolina, Texas, obviously Washington, you know, there's guys from pretty much every single corner of the United States right now. It's a, it's a class that's that's really sprawls the entire country. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty interesting, and I I just got to assume this next guy that committed has you fired up, and and it's not just because he's a linebacker, but you talk about a highlight tape, man. I mean, this dude, Lewis Carter, flies around six foot 200 pound linebacker out of tampa florida he is currently ranked the number 12 linebacker in the 24 7 sports composite in this class and he chose ou over clemson florida and auburn and this guy can i, I mean he arrives with very bad intentions <laughs> yes he and does. at a million miles of that there's really no there's no throttling down from what i've seen from lewis carter no, and uh, you know I'm really interested to see. You know, it's a it's a year before he's ever going to be, you know, taking the field. I guess he'll if he's an early arrival, he'll be here for spring and summer and stuff like that. But you know, he's small, but he's incredibly fast and incredibly explosive. You wonder what he's going to develop into. Is is he an inside backer? Is he a nickel type of guy? Is he that cheetah type of position? Uh, maybe even a safety type. Um, but whenever you've got a defensive player that uh, is as explosive as he is, has like you've got to have great instincts to be able to play the way that he does and almost see what's happening before it before it takes place out there in the field. You no, know, you can play that a guy like that anywhere. I and I'm not gonna make this comparison, but just like some of the the violence and speed of the collisions. You know who it reminded me a little bit of? Who's that? Jalen Petrie. Just yeah. like where you're just flying. You're like, oh, that guy better slow down. He's going to miss the tackle. Nope. <laughs> and I know it's different. It's high school football in Florida versus, you know, Big 12 football. I understand that. But there are a couple of them. I was just like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Well, there's always this, you know, whenever you're flying at someone, you've got to fully commit to it. Yeah, if if you if you wait too long to commit to it, you'll get shook. If if you're hesitant, you can get shook. If you throttle down too quickly, the guy can turn around and shake you. So you've got to have that's what I'm saying. Like the instincts that you have to have to be able to play at that type of speed is incredibly rare. And someone tagged me in a video of him benching 405 already Woo. and it the video that they tagged me in and it was there it was there like tampa catholic which is the school he went to it was from april so april of his junior year that's he, incredible at 200 pounds so wow 
Yeah, I know the, the video I've watched it and it, I'm guessing it's him. I mean, uh, so that is, I'm really excited about him. You know how we pick favorites. We tend to, we do the signing day show and we, if you go back and watch last year's like Jaden Rose, by far your favorite, everyone yep. knows that, but I'm, I'm starting to lean Lewis Carter's way, Ted, for the 2023 class. I'm just saying. With that, with a number like that on bench press and at six foot, I think he's taller. But it that sounds like Ante Jones. Ante Jones was a Florida kid, Miami, um, played on the 2000 team, but he came, he was a recruit from the John Blake era and was one of the highest uh, recruited kids in, in, in that class that came to Oklahoma and was just incredibly explosive, super, super strong, 400-whatever-pound bencher at like 5'10", 200 pounds, just, you know, 40-plus-inch vertical, 4'3 guy. Um, whenever he was at OU originally, when Rex Ryan was there and they ran – They'd run like the bear defense and they'd line Ante up behind the Mike backer at like seven yards. And he'd be the clean guy to run sideline to sideline. Pretty cool stuff. It sounds like he's uh pretty similar to Ante Jones, Lewis Carter. Yeah. So I'm just gonna, uh, I'm just gonna, he, he's got, he's my early favorite early in the favorite. class of 2023. Okay. Now I, I'm assuming there's some low lights that aren't on the highlight tape of him flying in there like that and probably missing guys. But Hey, I'm just, I, 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 I'm liking Lewis Carter. He's my early, he's my early favorite for, for the class of 2023. But you look at the damage they've done here in the month of July and, you know, they preach patience and it also, it doesn't sound like this is going to end anytime soon. They are up to 16 commitments. And as of now, right. They are the number 10 ranked class in the 24-7 sports composite. And remember, this is all without Brent Venables coaching a game at Oklahoma yet. Right. And uh, something that you said is critical. Uh, they're going to be, in my opinion, a big beneficiary of some of this reclassification of some of these players. Because uh, there, there's there's been several three-star players that they've, got committed that are like though that is not a three-star kid uh way better and there's been a couple of kids that have been bumped up to four-star already my guess is there's probably going to be a, a handful of others as well yeah we'll see all right let's get to call your shot and we asked you what was the most important thing that happened for OU football this leak and this one comes from at sooner girl 80 on twitter who says coach b's ladies clinic I love what he is doing with the 212-degree foundation. We were welcomed with open arms by everyone working the clinic. It sent the message that we are a big family, fans included. The culture change happening in Norman is fantastic. Fantastic, all caps, so you know she means it. Glad to be along for the ride. I won't lie. I didn't I, – We and we were out of town, but Saturday night, my wife and I, we were laying in bed. She is looking at this Instagram story, and it had like a million dots at the top of it from the ladies' clinic. 
And she was pissed that she wasn't there. She was like, what? She was like, this looks awesome. And from everyone I've talked to that was a part of it, it was awesome. And I think they raised somewhere between like 225 and 250 grand. Wow. Yeah. So it, but it looked, it looked like a ton of fun. I mean, you're watching film, you're going through drills with the coaches. They're doing stuff with Schmitty. Like they got the, they got to do the, the recruit photo shoot thing. Like it was, it looked like they did an amazing job with that. No, it's, it's cool, man. The more people that you can bring in and make them feel like they're a part of this thing, the better it is. Um, looks like it was really well organized, really well done. The camp situation around here is so much different than it has been in previous years. Really well organized. It's a, it's a massive priority. It's not just, it's not just this headache thing that you've got to do in the summer. There's, there's a lot put into it. There's a lot of thought. There's a lot of organization. And the feedback so far has been great. The different things that I've heard from different people about uh, like the little kids football camp up to the ID camps, now the women's clinic, it's all seem, seem like it's gone off uh, without a hitch and people really enjoy it. And all this matters, man. That's right. It, it, it all matters. I know some people may say, oh, well, you know, what? how big of a difference does it make? Like, Brent Venables wants, he wants everyone to be as passionate about OU football as he is. And that's, that's pretty much impossible. <laughs> but just making people feel like they're a part of it, creating that, and this is what I talk about all the time now. You want, to make fans feel like they're emotionally attached to this team. Yep. That, and that is, that's, it is harder now than ever in college football to make fans feel like they know the guys, they know what the program's about, like that they feel like those are their guys because of the portal and, and just how, how much movement is, there is now. So for, for Coach V to create, create those attachments through the the ladies clinic like it's it's a big deal man and obviously those women probably run their households if it's anything like mine those <laughs> women run their households and so they're making some important decisions so i i don't know i loved it and it looked incredibly well organized and it looked like it was a ton of fun i was kind of jealous i wasn't there yeah look cool um i I'm anxious to hear a little bit more from people that went and, and see what exactly it was like. And, uh, you know, I, I saw some of the pictures and stuff on Twitter. That's about all I've heard of it so far. And uh, it sure looked like a good time. Looked like Ethan Downs. There's a picture of him about to throw someone to the ground. Maybe that was Schmitty he was doing a drill with. Uh, but it looked really cool. And, you know, the more people, like you said, that you can make feel a part of it, the better it is. Yeah. And then this other one comes from Ryan Ooh, T U R C O T T E, Turcotte, Turcotti, Turcotte, Turcotte. Okay, we're going with that. Sorry if that's wrong, Ryan. He said Caleb Williams setting the record straight that the fans weren't the reason he left OU has probably been the only news coming from USC that made OU fans feel good. Do you see that? Yeah, I don't really know what to make of it. Yeah, Mike. Well, Mike Farrell, he put that thing out there 
basically said, you know, Caleb Williams' dad had said that OU fans drove Caleb Williams away. And Caleb Williams responded to it and said, want to take this down? The fans of my old teammates are the reason on why I almost stayed. So it was, it, it was good. I, I thought it was good for Caleb Williams to come out and say that. Just kind of setting the record straight. I feel like we've all moved on from that point, but stuff just keeps coming up with USC and OU. And it's it's probably best to just accept that these OU and USC are going to be linked for a long, long time. Yeah. For you know, for a while at least. And yeah, so I I, I was glad that I, I liked it. Caleb said something and set the record straight. I like that. I mean, speaking for himself, you know, that as opposed to not saying anything, oh, that's kind of my style. You know, some people say, ah, just, you know, the past is the past. Don't worry about it. I, I liked that he came out and said, no, 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 no. Those, those fans were great. My teammates were great. Just, you know, ended up going, you know, making a different decision. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where it came from. It seems like, I guess his dad had an article that came out this week, and he said that, you know, OU did some things that weren't in his best interest. And I feel like that's what generated all this conversation starting all over again. Um, I don't know. I'm sure there's some OU fans out there that are still wishing and and feel like if Caleb Williams was here, things would be totally different. I'm glad that Caleb Williams went to what he thinks is the best place for him, and I'm glad that Dylan Gabriel's here, and I wouldn't want it any other way. So, you know, everything other than that, I don't really care about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it it's almost time to really lock into the OU side of things, but yeah. you know, it's, it's the middle of July, Ted. We got to talk about some stuff. No, here's the thing though. Those two guys are going to be compared throughout the entire season. Oh, no right? doubt. Statistically wins, losses, all of that. So settle in like the Kayla Williams and Lincoln Riley at USC talk is it's not going to be done for a while. It's only just begun. <laughs> All right. Birthday shout outs. Happy early 17th birthday to Jance Summers. Happy 18th birthday to Bear King. Nice. Happy upcoming 21st birthday to Jace Summers. Happy 29th birthday to Jamie Key. Happy 31st birthday to Blake DeBernard. Happy 33rd birthday to Parker Burnett. Happy 36th birthday to Jelly Bean from Beef Burger. Interesting. I just, I, I read it how it's written, man. Happy early 40th birthday to Jennifer Summers, that family's got a lot of birthdays coming up. A lot of August birthdays for the Summers, apparently. Happy early 43rd birthday to Jay Summers. <laughs> the whole happy, crew. Oh, crew. Happy upcoming 45th birthday to Charlie Deem. Happy 50th birthday to Shane Turley. Happy 53rd birthday to Robert Kaltenbacher. Happy 66th birthday to Dave Bennett. Happy birthday to Kara Levings. Happy sixth anniversary. I don't know why the anniversary came out that way. Happy anniversary. <laughs> Happy sixth anniversary to Jillian and Trey Kirkpatrick. Is that Jillian? Yeah, you nailed it. And then one late addition. Happy birthday 
to Manolia May Gibson. Nice. Good stuff. Right. We got we got uh, we got some more highlights from Big 12 Media Day to talk about, including what Brett Yormark had to say. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including my favorite, yes, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone, so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P. O-L-I-S clothing.com and use promo code TED, T-E-D for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join, and as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Remember, financial aid is available. Okay, Brett Yormark. The new Big 12 commissioner had, you know, I thought he was really impressive at Big 12 Media Day. Uh, got to talk with him one-on-one a couple of different times, you know, kind of off-air, got to interview him on the radio, and then clearly listened to everything he had to say up on the podium, and I loved it. The Big 12 is open for business, and he is, seems like a guy, he's going to do what's necessary to increase the value of the league when it, when it comes to the television partners, like increase the value of, of the league in the eyes of the television partners. And he did, he did address the possibility of OU in Texas leaving early for the sec and said, he's always open to a win-win scenario. Ted, I found that, uh, I found that rather interesting. Yeah. Who knows what that might entail, but, you know, if um, if that means ripping the Band-Aid off early and getting to a new television deal, maybe that's what he's talking about. Maybe it's good for OU and Texas to leave early, but, you know, make it right financially with the Big, Ch- Big 12. That would be viewed as a win-win, I'm guessing. Who knows what that means, but I think it's interesting going to do what's necessary to increase the value of the league in the eyes of the television partners. One of the things that increases the value of the league in the eyes of the television partners is for Bedlam to be continued to play. Ah, so I wonder 
I wonder what his thoughts on that are. Yeah, I'm sure he he doesn't seem like a guy. This is what I'll say. Just and I only had a couple conversations with the guy, but he does seem like a guy that would walk in to a room full of the entire leadership group of Oklahoma State and say, Hey, you're playing Bedlam, and then just walk out. <laughs> it's kind of the it's kind of the vibe he puts off. Now he's he was extremely nice, uh, very polite and everything, but he is he's not playing around, man. Yep. And he yeah, and I talked to him about the OU and Texas thing kind of uh, alone. And basically he said, Hey, I'm gonna do what makes sense for the Big 12. Right? I'm gonna I'm gonna do what makes sense for the Big 12. And he's got he's got no animosity toward OU, toward Texas uh, at all. He's really just concerned about doing what's best for the league that he is now in charge of. And he he made it clear to me he takes a lot of pride in his reputation in the business world and the relationships he has, and he doesn't plan on letting this really be the thing that changes people's perception of him. So yeah. I don't know. He's, he seemed like a, a very, very determined man to, to make it work. Well, I, I still believe that the big 12 has already made some really nice moves and, I think there's more possibilities out there for him, and I think it's going to continue to be a fun, competitive league. Yeah, I, I will say he's got a very good skill of really making you feel like he's listening to what you're saying. And, I mean, he didn't – I can't assume he really cared that much about what I had to say, but I felt like he did, and I was like, man, that's a skill. That's good. He's good. He's good. I will say – he, he kept bringing up, when I was talking to this, kept bringing up storytelling. He was like, the, the Big 12, they, they need to tell the story of the conference and of these teams and these universities more. I thought that was really interesting. And I told him, I was like, hey, you've got ESPN+. Plus. The only thing on there is games. I mean, there ain't no stories on there. You got a perfect platform to tell some stories, produce some content, and put it on there. Like all the schools... They've got content production teams that can do that stuff for you. And then I pitched him me doing a diners, drive-ins and dice style show uh, for the big 12 on ESPN plus. And he didn't know what triple D was. And it broke my heart. I was like, you are from New York, aren't you? <laughs> so that, I mean, that is a good idea to go around. It's a great and, idea. And it just, cause a lot of these places, uh, being college towns have some really unique places to, to go hang out on game days and stuff. So no, that'd be a great idea. Yeah. So we'll see. Okay. Some other things just from, so I was able every head coach and every player that came to media day, I was able to interview them all. So they all come through the car wash and, you know, with serious, we get every single person. So uh, the, the conversation with Sark was interesting, man. I mean, and, just, just kind of the number one highlight. There's, there's this theory out there that, you know, maybe he's going to hold off on starting Quinn Ewers until after they play Alabama, right? Maybe throw Hudson Card to the Wolves, and then well, once that game, you know, once week two happens, then you can put Ewers on the field. And we asked him about that, and he basically said that if that is how he was thinking. He's in the wrong business. And if he was worried about a guy, you'd put him out there about 
you know, against Bama that he's recruiting the wrong kids. <laughs> so I, that kind of put that to bed for me. The, I think as far as the quarterback position, the best player is going to play. The guy that's most consistent in camp is going to play for Sark. So he, uh, he kind of cleared that up for anyone. Now, hey, maybe that's into, ends up what's happening, but I, I don't think so. Well, you should have seen the look on his face when we, when we asked him, like we were talking through it. He was just like, what? <laughs> it was hilarious. Well, um, what's not going to be hilarious is watching their subpar offensive tackles try and block the best defensive player in college football. Which he said he was not opposed to starting a freshman at tackle. And he's actually <laughs> done it before. They did it with Evan Neal at Bama. And he said he did it at USC also. Well, creative play calling can uh, really help a tackle out. We've seen that before. We've also seen what happens whenever you can't uh, call plays accordingly whenever you've got a tackle out there on an island. Uh, it can ruin the whole game. Not only can it ruin his confidence, it can end up ruining your quarterback's confidence too. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. He was – yeah, it was, it was interesting to get to talk to him. Okay, Mike Gundy – the man is an absolute treat. There's no doubt about it. And this was something you, we've talked a ton about it, right? What, what's their style going to be this season, right? It's got to change a little bit, right? You got to anticipate them taking a step back defensively. No, that's, I mean, I, I basically asked Mike that question and sounds like they're going with the same philosophy, man. It made it sound. And just from hearing him talk about, where he thinks Derek Mason is now. They're, they're, by the way, they're running Jim Knowles' defense. Derek Mason, his job was to come in and learn Jim Knowles' defense. Now, he's, he's added a few things that he really likes, but they're going to be playing the same defense. Now, it's not the same guy calling it, right? I understand that. But Gundy said, no, no, no. Derek came in, learned all our language, Learned what we were doing. Like they're running the same defense, which I thought was pretty interesting. But he also just from hearing him talk, he loves that defensive front. Tyler Lacey and Brock Martin were both there. And they're going to be good. Up they're going to be good up front. And just hearing him talk about it, man, I think I think they're going to be good on defense again, like better than I thought they were going to be. Just from hearing Gundy talk about him. Yeah. No, that'll be interesting. I'll hey. I know this from experience. If you're good up front, it makes every, life easier all the way to the very, very back. And if and they got some dudes up front now. So I do expect them to be good. As good as last year, I don't know. We'll see. Um, There's no way. They had their – it was the best defense in the history of the school. Like, I, I think they could be good. There's no way they could be as good as they were last year. I just – I'm not believing that. I I don't believe it either, but I don't know, man. Once once you once a group sets a standard, you could be surprised at what the group following them lives up to. You That's know, a good point. It doesn't always happen, but if they've got the right guys there and they've developed the right way, and those guys kind of went to school on how to carry themselves and how to practice and how to prepare. 
and all those things, then it could surprise you. Yeah. Okay. Talk to Dave Aranda and moved. guys, just a different dude, man, but he's, he's good. He's starting to like open up more and he just, he's very delightful to be around. Like when he's talking, you just like, now he talks kind of quiet. So you just kind of have to lean in, but you're just really listening to what he has to say. And one of the most interesting things he told me was that I, because I asked him, Hey, how, do you have to change your approach? Right. There, there was so, cause remember they've picked ninth going into the league last year and ended up winning the big 12 championship. Now they're picked to win it. And I was like, do you have to, do you change your approach in any way? He's like, nope, don't change it. He was like, you know, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water after enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. And I was just sitting there like, yes, sensei. <laughs> like he was, I, I thought that was interesting. And, and the other takeaway from the Baylor stuff is Dylan Doyle's a big dude now. And I know you like him, but I wrote him, I wrote in the elevator with him at the Sheridan and I was like, okay. That's a that's a big what, inside back. Three two forty five ish. Yeah, big guy. Yep, and been in uh been lifting weights since he's probably like six years old. Correct. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a good player, man. I've I really liked what I've seen from him, and I expect this year to really be no different. Maybe, uh, probably have his best year whenever he's got that three hundred and eighty pounder in front of him. Yeah, you got two of them now. Yeah. Cause you got the player kid that came now. He's not as big as Ika, but yeah, Dave Aranda. What a, what a guy, just an interesting guy. Oh, okay. This may be, first of all, Matt Campbell. I don't know where he vacations, but the guy is Tanner. It's it. <laughs> I saw that he's it, it was the same way last year. Like it's unbelievable. I don't know how he does it. I don't know if he like puts olive oil on his body and I, I don't know, but it's like golden bronze. It's unbelievable. But this may have been my biggest takeaway because I, I got to interview Matt. We interviewed him for 30 minutes. I got to talk to him off air quite a bit. And, you know, him and I get along. They lose Brees Hall. They lose Brock Purdy. They lost Kolar. Uh, they, they lost the other tight end, Allen. But after talking to him and Xavier Hutchinson, he was there, their star receiver. I think Iowa State's going to be better on offense. And it's because it, it has everything to do with the way they were talking about Hunter Deckers. It sounds like Hunter Deckers is everything Brock Purdy wasn't. Elite arm strength, aggressive, smart with the football, but wants to push it down the field. So I, I know that Purdy set all the records. I know, I understand that. he's A lot of people think he's the best quarterback in Iowa State history, I get that. But just hearing them talk about Hunter Deckers, they never talked about Rock Purdy that way. Uh, so I just, it, it really, it really got my attention, Ted. And it, it almost made me think that Iowa State's going to be a much better football team than I thought they were going to be. Well, they, they probably are. I guess my, my uh, thoughts about them I guess offensively they may be better, but what are they going to be on defense? Cause I, I feel like defense has, has always been their real calling card. And there's, there's been a lot of turnover there specifically on the back end, but they still got some good players on the back end. I, I bet that Iowa state is probably going to be better than projected, but 
so far we've gone through the list and everyone is talking about how great they're going to be. It's, it's kind of not, it's like this every year and some teams will live up to that. Others won't. I'm still hesitant on Iowa state for whatever reason. I could be wrong on that because they've done nothing but show that they can really develop players at Iowa state now. And if that continues to be the case and they're better at quarterback, well, you know, they're at a minimum, they're still going to be an incredibly tough team to beat. Yeah. Right. Even uh, if they're not a team that's challenging to win the conference, they're going to be incredibly tough. Yeah. I picked them fifth, you know, entering, you know, in the preseason poll. So I, I'm going to have to see it to believe it. I mean, you just had your most talented team arguably ever and you won seven games. So yeah, gonna, gonna have to see it. And if, <laughs> Texas Tech, man, I I don't even know how to describe it. Like I, I don't know how many games Tech is going to win. I have no idea. But I can tell you this. Th- there is no doubt that Joey McGuire's players are absolutely buying what he is selling. Miles Price, their, their star receiver, he, he said Joey McGuire being hired and the way that they're doing things is the best thing that's ever happened to him during his football career. Tyree Wilson, who, by the way, is the best-looking player in the conference. The guy's huge. I mean, massive. Edge player. Just, I think he had seven sacks last year. He told us he's going to double that to 14. And Joey McGuire has these guys convinced. He said they're probably going to be the best defense in the Big 12. Like, these guys' confidence and energy, sky high, Ted. Sky high. I, I think they're going to do I, – I think Joey McGuire was the perfect hire for Texas Tech. I think he's going to recruit really well. Their recruiting ranking isn't going to be high. But Baylor, for instance, has really cashed in on all of Joey McGuire's recruiting contacts. Uh, that was Matt Rule's – like. He brought him in as soon as he went to Baylor, and that is what brought that program back so fast. He knows all the diamonds in the rough out there recruiting-wise. So I don't doubt it. I, I, you know, I think they got a chance offensively. I think they obviously got a chance defensively. Best defense in the Big 12, bit of a reach, but I, I still don't know. I'm kind of like you. I don't really know where to project Texas Tech this year. I'll give them a, you know, a little bit of a work in progress, but next year they could be incredibly tough. Yeah. My, maybe my favorite thing was that Joey McGuire, he told us, you know, he's, he's trying to, he wants the kids, like when they walk into the football facility for that to be the best part of their day. And it was, it was interesting, you know, balancing, like being a coach and almost trying to be super friendly. And he said, he said he lures them in to come talk to him by outside of his office. He said he's got a direct line of sight from his desk. He, he's got a stash of honey buns and hot Cheetos. He said that's how he lures them in. He's like, it, he, he makes them come talk to him once, once he sees him grabbing them and makes them tell him about their day. And he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm developing these relationships. He said the nutritionist isn't thrilled about it, but. The honey buns and hot Cheetos, Ted. That's how he reels them in to talk to him. 
that's interesting. Uh, the philosophy is fascinating to me. Um, and there's there's different ways to win, obviously, but I remember going into the facility being the worst part of my day every single day without question. A lot of stress and anxiety as you walk in the door. Stress, anxiety. Uh, I don't care if, if Coach Stoops and them had gold bars sitting outside their office. I wasn't going onto that floor. <laughs> I know, which is <laughs> – that's why it, it it's a different mentality, right? It's different. Yeah. So uh, Joey McGuire is an absolute delight to be around, man. I mean, he was as nice and cool as, and we'll see what happens on the field, but man, he they're gonna was be better. They're going to recruit like crazy. They're going to have <laughs> players that just arrive out of nowhere. Like where did this guy come from? Three star from somewhere in Texas and is going to be an all, all conference type of player. Just like he's, what happened at Baylor. He's doing he, – he has taken what they did at Baylor under Matt Rule, and he's taken the exact same system. And they are it, – it's very – it's got a lot of, lot of similarities to what Saban did, you know, starting at Bama. Like, you have to meet these certain criteria of height, length, speed. And then he's got to he, – he said, if we get the guys that have that type of talent, then I've got to convince these coaches that they're good enough to coach him up. <laughs> so it was, it was really interesting to talk to him. He was, he was a delight. I mean, he was for sure. West Virginia, JT Daniels is going to be their starting quarterback. I, I'm there. There's this quarterback battle going on there, but when we were talking to Neil Brown about it, who, by the way, Neil Brown said, he'll come on this podcast. Yeah. So we got to we got to get something scheduled with Neil because he's one of my he's one of my favorite. But he um, every time we were talking about the offense or the quarterback, it seems like it always drifted back to JT Daniels and how smart he is and intelligent of a player he is and how impressive he's been. You know, from a leadership perspective, all that stuff. So I would be I'd be very very surprised if he's not their starting quarterback against Pitt. Yeah, well, I guess I would I would be too. But that really doesn't change my opinion of what I think of West Virginia this coming season. I, right. I'm JT Daniels. I know he's he's got a lot of talent and he's shown some great flashes. But you know, and I, I think I think West Virginia is still kind of what they've been recently. They've got some good, tough defensive players. They're going to be they're going to be really tough on that side of the ball. But they've really struggled offensively, which is counterintuitive from what you thought whenever Neil Brown took over. Yeah. Now they got Graham Harrell. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how much they Probably throw it around. Going back to his, his roots a little bit more with, with Graham Harrell on, on offense. Right. Cause he's been, yeah, he's he was a leech guy air raidy since, uh, since he's been at West Virginia, but that may change. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, one last thing. And this is, this is Rand. I, Actually, a couple more things. TCU, I do think that's a big that it's a legit quarterback battle between Duggan um, and what's Morris? That's his name. Yep. Almost forgot. How I almost, I almost called, forgot I almost your boy Chandler Morris's said, name. I almost just called him Chandler Jones. <laughs> well, we if if TCU had Chandler Jones, they'd be in really good shape. 
Yes, they would. Not at quarterback, though. They don't want him at quarterback. I, I'd take my chances with that guy. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're right. But um, so yeah, got to talk to Sonny Dykes. Really, really cool guy. Um, I'm interested to see what things look like offensively for him. I think a lot depends on if they can get an offensive line that can play worth a damn or not. But this last observation for Big 12 Media Day, and maybe the most random one, Lance Leipold's much better looking in person. It was just, I don't know why, because last year he couldn't make the trip, right? Because they had a plane issue. So he wasn't there last year. So this was the first time I had seen him in person. He was in a suit. He was like all tan. He looked a lot younger than I thought he would look. I and I, I don't know. Maybe it's because his player, his players, pretty confident bunch. Jalen Daniels had like some red suede loafers on. It was pretty, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> they and I will say their players, they carried themselves with a very different energy than I thought they would. I think they're, they're – I don't know how many games they're going to win, but Lance Leipold has that thing headed in the right direction. Yeah, I've I've heard so many people saying good things about what's going on in, in Kansas under Leipold that it's got my attention. I'm I'm interested. I hey, I'm I'm all for every program in the conference playing good football and I, they've got a handful of really good players. I I think Jalen Daniels is I think he's really good, but he he has literally never had more than like a second and a half to throw the football. Right, once that takes place, if they can give him a little bit of protection up front, I think he could do some dangerous things. I'm with you. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, it's time to get back out on the golf course, people. And there's nothing better to drink on the course than the number one seltzer in golf, Clubby Seltzers. Clubby Seltzers is an Oklahoma company that is already winning national awards because their product is delicious. What is is that the original? The original. Yep, there you go. Old can, too. This is a keepsake, bud. That's good. It tastes exactly like a club special, but it's a seltzer. They're not just for the golf course either. They're perfect to drink by the pool, after mowing the lawn, whatever. If you haven't tried Clubby Seltzers yet, go grab some. You won't regret it. The variety pack is out. To find a place near you that has Clubbies, visit ClubbySeltzers.com. And attention, business owners. You need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices through Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. You looking to buy a buy or sell a house in the OKC metro area? Use the Ronaldo Cloud Group. Stacia Ronaldo and Maddie Cloud are with Sage Sotheby's International Realty. 
They believe in prompt communication, an honest relationship, and luxury service. And that's exactly what they gave Gabe. They sold a house for Gabe. They sold a house for Gabe's brother. Or they found a house for Gabe's brother. And they found a house for Lane Johnson. We can't recommend them enough. You can reach them by calling or texting Stacia at 918-671-6450. Or you can contact contact them on Instagram at at sold by Stacia and at sold by Maddie underscore. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Easy one. Had to go with Cade Horton. Number seven overall in the Major League Baseball draft to the Cubs. Uh, this is fantastic for him. Maybe not so fantastic for uh, OU fans that were hoping maybe he would be able to stick around. This is probably going to come with quite a bit of money up front. And my guess is Kate Horton's going to be headed to, to the majors, but it's awesome for him. Number seven to the Cubs. Um, with what he did closing the end of the year, it's not a uh, surprise or a shock to me at all. Now, I was scrolling through some of the comments uh, whenever the, the uh, announcement came. And it looks like some Cubs fans are a little upset. They're basically just looking at his stats through the season and saying that he's not very good. But anyone that watched him at the end of the year knows that coming off of an injury, uh, it took him a while in the season before he had his full bag of tricks. And like his last four starts were money. Once he had that fastball slider and curve working, he was almost impossible to hit. So I'm excited for him. Can't wait to see him develop. And hopefully he's up uh, playing with the Cubs for no time. Yeah. And remember when OU lost in the championship series, I'm pretty sure you made Kate Horton your winner then even because you're like, he is going to make a ton of money. You nailed it, Ted. He, he's he's money he's big dude he's got a great arm and uh you know he's had the tommy john surgery and he's worked worked his way back from that really well he's got great stuff and, and my guess is it's only going to continue to improve yeah i'm looking at the I, I wonder what the pick value is right yeah the, the baseball because remember there's the bonus pool and the pick baseball's complicated man yeah it's different. It's not, it's not all. This says $5.7 million. Right. Now, here's the interesting thing about the baseball draft. He doesn't have to go. He can still stay, even though he was drafted at number seven. I don't think that's going to happen, but it can happen. So it's just a different animal than the all the other drafts that we're used to. Um Five million, six million bucks. He's gone, and proud of the guy. He's he deserves it. What? What would friend of the podcast Eddie Radosovich do if Kate Horton said no thanks? I don't want to be a Cub because <laughs> that the, I and I haven't checked in on Eddie since this happened, right? Because it happened right before we started recording the podcast. I I assume Eddie is overjoyed, but I believe his soul would be crushed if. Horton was like, you know, no thanks. I don't know. Yeah, probably, but another another run at OU, 
It's a good point. Make it feel a lot better. That's make a good point. A You're right. Maybe you'd be happier if you, I, I don't know. I don't, it's almost one of those things where it's your team. The last thing you want your team to do is uh, like ruin a great player from <laughs> from your school. It's like you almost don't want those two worlds to mesh at all. I I don't know if there are any Cubs fans that listen to this podcast, but I like to remind Cubs fans. I went to game six and game seven of the World Series when they played Cleveland in Cleveland. I just signed with the Browns, wore a Thunder hat and an OU t-shirt to both games. Nice. Nice. Somebody was like, what? What are you? I was like, I'm just here for the game, man. I'm not really cheering for anybody. That's funny. Diehard baseball people do not like me when I tell that story. You, uh, Someone that cared could have had that ticket. Well, sorry, man. <laughs> well, someone from uh, the wrong group could have uh, had that ticket. So, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Uh, I had to go with Rory McElroy. Unbelievable. Your guy. I hate to admit this. I quit watching. I thought he had, I was like, oh, he's got this thing wrapped up. He's cruising. Everyone else is just, you know, kind of beating the thing around. And uh, I missed like one of the greatest closes. What a 30 on the back by. Cam Smith, you know, the mullet flapping in the breeze. You could even see his mustache moving around in the wind and somehow shoots a 30. Uh, unbelievable stuff. I felt horrible for Rory uh, that he wasn't able to pull that off. He he just couldn't make a putt. Yeah. And, and meanwhile, pressure. it's like the pressure, like, because he was just cruising all weekend. And then, like, here it comes, and he just couldn't couldn't make a putt, man. And it wasn't even like he didn't make any horrible errors or anything. He just two putted everything. Yeah. Yep. Crazy. That is an unbelievable close to a championship to win the thing. I, I think maybe the most underrated part about it. It's been what eight years since Rory won a major. I think long that's time. right. Yeah. It's been a long time. And, Never won the open. And Rory's become kind of the face of the PGA tour. Now, of course, Tiger's Tiger, but he's been very outspoken with everything. And it's like it feels like his his fan base has really grown over the last couple months. And it felt like everyone just watching it on TV, but it just felt like everyone was pulling for Rory and for Cam Smith to kind of know all of that's going on and to not care and to go just, I mean, absolutely scorched earth on the back. Dude, the onions that takes, I mean, that was, that was phenomenal, man. I mean, yeah. absolutely phenomenal golf. Like you, all the circumstances, like it's Rory, he's Irish. This is, you know, this is kind of that area of the, of the world's tournament. And Cam Smith just from Australia, he's like, ah, yep. who cares? I'm going to go in. Uh, unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. What was it? Five straight yeah. 30s. And oh, yeah. when you get that hot and you know everyone's scoreboard watching as they're closing in, and you got to think that Rory felt that a little bit. And like you said, it's not like it's not like he fell apart. 
it's not like he um like the masters he had that one year right whenever he he totally fell apart there was nothing like that he it's just, not like he had made some tragic mistake and took like an eight on a hole or anything no it was just he couldn't make a putt yep crazy but give it up to uh cam smith the strangest looking golfer in history pulls off uh what one of the biggest come is that the biggest comeback on a sunday I know it's the it's the lowest score in the final round for someone to yeah. win a major. I'm pretty sure I read that. Yeah. Wild, wild stuff. Do you and I hate to bring this up, but Rory ended up finishing third. Cause Cam Young eagled 18. By the way, I mean, that guy can drive the ball a mile. Yeah. But do you think that makes it feel any better for him where he's like, oh, I didn't get second. I got third. Or do you think that makes it even worse? That makes it worse. Oh, it makes it way worse, right? Yeah. Yeah. You go from counting the what the biggest that's the wasn't that the biggest payout ever for a, a winning purse? Because I they, do I not know, but it sounds game. right. He got two point five million. Cam Smith. Two point five million. Um which, you know, Rory's at a place now where that's not like he's going to live and die off of that money. But still, man, it's like lost a lot of money there on the back uh, to a couple of uh, young To guys. the cams. To the cams. <laughs> Which, this is stupid. This is so stupid. But I'm sitting there. I'm watching it. My son's name is Cam. Mm-hmm. I'm like, son, you're going to be the next Cam out there. It's going to be you, man. And he was all at ease, just sitting there watching it, just mouth wide open. I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. Now, Cam Smith and Cam Young will probably still be golfing on the damn tour when uh, when, oh, yeah. when my son makes it on there. Hopefully, if, if everything goes according to plan, Ted, he'll be out there. Yeah, he can be paired with one of them one day and talk about his, uh, his first open experience. Yes, that's exact. Great point. Yep, there you go. It's meant to be. All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But first. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. And if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. It's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. Remember, in 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the best-in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. 
This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners, yeah, they're from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. All right, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going just with American speed, Ted. Little track and field talk. USA goes one, two, three in the 100 meters at the World Championships. Fred Curley wins it. Marvin Bracey gets second. Trayvon Brommel gets third. First time the red, white, and blue has gone one, two, three at the world since 1991. We're the best, baby. We're the fastest in the world. Rest of the world, suck it. Let's go. Amazing. Uh, was it Marvin Bracey that tackled Fred Curley after the uh, race there, threw him to the ground? I was like, that's a bit much. Slow down there, gentlemen. But that was cool. You can't that was tell fun. those three guys to slow down, man. They, yeah, they're the fastest people in the world. That's true. Uh, they were flying. It was that was a cool. I watched quite a bit of the uh, the world championships today. That was that was fun. That facility at, at Oregon. I mean, it's crazy because it wasn't very long ago that it was like the old style, you know, where it yeah. had like the old um, um, like stands on one side. It had like the pitched roof over the top of it. It had like a really cool old feel to it. And then now it's like, what, what is that? It looks like a spaceship. Yeah. Crazy. I just looked at it. I was like, oh my gosh. Looked, uh, looked nice. Very nice. Yes. <laughs> looked expensive. I uh, also thought about going with Juan Soto. Do you see that? Uh, yeah. Turns down a 15-year, $440 million contract offer from the Nationals. Now, he's only 23 years old, so we'll see. But, man, how nice would it be? You're that good at baseball. He's probably – and I don't keep up with baseball that much, but he's – at the worst, he's probably a top-five player in baseball. To be able to be like, nah, nah, $440 million, I'm good. You know, I don't need that. I, I, I'm confident myself. I'll make more. I, I don't blame him. I wouldn't. Where I'm sitting now, looking back at whenever I was that age, I would not want that type of deal either. No, it, I agree. It feels like anyone that does like a ten year deal, it's just human nature to ease off the gas, become complacent. And just get into like this comfort zone where you could still be good. I'm not saying that, but are you really your best three-year deal, man? That's what I'd be looking for. And maybe he doesn't like, maybe he wants to live somewhere else. Like, I, I don't know, but it's a ton of money. Probably smart though, by him financially in the long run. Yeah. I just, I saw the price tag and I was like, he turned down what now? That's, that's amazing. Yeah, but my winner of the weekend, justice has been served because the International Olympic Committee did the right thing, and Jim Thorpe is now the sole winner of the decathlon and pentathlon of the 1912 Olympics. And I, one of the reasons I made it my winner, it's just cool. Uh, everyone that grows up here in the state of Oklahoma, Jim Thorpe's just like this larger-than-life, almost like superhero. Mm -hmm. right and 
I, this was, so it was a big win for Oklahoma. It was a big win from Oklahoma for Oklahomans, a big win for the native American community. And it's just cool to see, man, that look at the international, the IOC doing something right. How about that? It's great. You know, Oklahoma history, whenever you're a kid, you learn about Jim Thorpe and yep. all of the accolades and all of that. I go to the Jim Thorpe Award every year where they award the uh, Jim Thorpe Award to the best defensive back in the country. And I learn something new every time I'm there or every time I'm, I'm at something, something new about Jim Thorpe. So uh, it's awesome. And this is really cool. Uh, yeah. That $2 a game that you have written down here playing baseball. $35 per week, you know, playing minor league baseball is why he got stripped of his gold medals. Here's my question, though. I don't know who was awarded the gold, but are they pissed right now as the family for whoever it is? Are they they pissed like, hey, what's going on here? Well, the interesting part about it, because I was reading about it, because, you know, there are all kinds of articles here about it. And actually back in 1982, I believe, they they reinstated Thorpe and they made him the co-champion of the 1912 Olympics. So the other two guys, they still they were still considered like co-gold medalists. And yeah, I bet those families are pissed. But here's the thing. Those guys already had their time. Like they went around, did the gold medal circuit. Like they made their money off of it. Now it goes back to where it belongs. Yeah. I, we all know everyone I always talk to always talks about the 1912 Olympics and everyone knows that Jim Thorpe really won that decathlon. There's no doubt about it. That's what everyone we talked to about. I think it was Stockholm, the Stockholm Olympics in 1912. That's what everyone. It was there, Seth. I think that's the year. Uh, this this could be wrong, but I feel like he won the decathlon with two different shoes on. Like whenever they got there, like his shoes somehow didn't make the trip, so he had to like piece a couple of shoes together to wear throughout the decathlon. I Didn't think that happen true. to someone at the combine? They ran a forty in someone else's <laughs> shoes. I think so. Same thing. It? Same thing. No big deal. Yeah, I, but hey, the injustice has been corrected. Long live Jim Thorpe. Best awesome. athlete ever. That's what people say. That's right. That's All right, right. For my loser of the weekend. Thought about going. I, <sighs> Kyrie Irving. I just, he was supposed to, he was supposed to play in one of those Drew League games. And I guess he just didn't show up. Isn't now that, that like his deal? Yeah. I, and I, I think maybe he was at some basketball camp. I don't, I, I don't know, but LeBron showed up and that I will say that looks like a ton of fun to be at. I think what you want about LeBron. Yeah. He went two of uh, two of 13 from three, not great, but had 42 points. That atmosphere looked awesome. And the fact that LeBron James, who right now is currently the second best player ever went and did that. I think that's cool as hell, man. Yeah, I really do. It is. Um, I've, I've, we, he's definitely been on the, the downturn recently, but do we get LeBron back to anywhere close to, to what we have seen in recent years or 
is he that far on the back end of his career? Because, gosh, the guy's got to be – I'm 40. He Was he 38, 37? Yeah. So it's got to be more and more difficult every year now we have together what you would consider a full season in quite some time. It's been like four years since he played a full season. You yeah. got to go back to, what, the 2018-19 year where he played a full year. Then won a title in the bubble. Yep. Has been hurt since. So I, but I just thought it was cool, man. You know, That's going awesome. and playing in whatever you want to call it, pro am league, you know, high level pickup, whatever you want to call it. It was, uh, it was cool to see one of the best basketball players ever do that when he hadn't done it in a long time. I'm not calling him a loser. I'm just, I just think we need to, we need to acknowledge Orlando Brown turned down a six-year, $139 million offer from the Chiefs. Mm. I I really hope he's playing this year on the tag. I really hope he has an awesome year, stays healthy, and gets even more money than that. He probably will. I hope he does. I will say. What's the tag? The tag's got to be huge, though, for a tackle right now. Yeah, because it's the average of the top five, right? So, yeah, no, he's going to make a ton of money this year, but $140 Well, hey, go ahead, bet on yourself, big guy. Love to see it. Yeah. sounded like Jamal Brown was pretty influential in that that whole negotiation. They've been close, man. They've been close since he showed up at OU. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting, but my – my loser of the weekend, mascots. Yeah, mascots. Please tell me you saw the AJ Dillon video. I did. <laughs> At first, I was trying to figure out. I was like, who is that guy? Looked like a defensive lineman. <laughs> Just your average 250-pound running back. If you have not seen this video, just search AJ Dillon on Google or Twitter, wherever you'll find it. The Kenosha Kingfish, a a minor league baseball team in Wisconsin. They've got a mascot, Elvis, King Elvis. And I guess they, they had their celebrity softball on thing on Saturday night. And somehow Green Bay Packers running back AJ Dillon was participating in a drill with the mascot. And this is also a question I have for you. What is that drill called? I don't know. People Where you lay it- on your, you're, you're laying on your back, your heads are like toward each other. And then you get up and one guy's got the ball and one guy's got to tap. What's that drill called? People call it the Oklahoma drill. Sometimes that's wrong. That's not what the Oklahoma drill is. What is that drill called? I don't know. We used to do it at OU though in our linebacker individual, if it was like one of those games that we performed poorly, we'd uh, we'd do that drill and drag each other to the ground. It was terrible. But, yeah, I don't know what it's called. I think okay. it's just called the, you know, the drill where you're both laying uh, head-to-head on your back. <laughs> I don't think that's what get it's up, called. Get up and tackle that guy drill. But A.J. Dillon. An NFL running back, a big NFL running back that has some of the biggest quads you'll ever see in your entire life, did it against 
this minor league baseball team's mascot. And it went, I think it went much worse than the guy in the mascot suit thought it was going to go. Because I, I don't know if whoever was in the Elvis suit thought Dylan wasn't going to go hard or what, but the the mascot did not look prepared. He was flat footed, Ted. You can't be flat footed when when the ball carrier is coming at you like that. You you got to the feet got to stay moving, and he got absolutely truck stick. And it's one of my favorite videos of the summer. Yeah, it's it's something. Now, here's what I'll tell Elvis. This went the best it could have gone for him. Because here's the thing. You know, he had the mascot suit on, which made him getting up to his feet and getting turned around slow. So as he got up, kind of staggered to his feet and turned around, as soon as he turned around, A.J. Dillon's shoulder was directly in his chest at full speed. All right. And he gave in the, the mascot head flies, head off. flies off. He gave zero resistance to AJ Dillon. Have you ever been like peeled back on and blindsided? Yes. It does. Well, I guess I shouldn't say ever, but you usually can't feel it at all. You just kind of get knocked off your feet and you go kind of like, you go zero gravity for a moment. You hit the ground. It's, and like, it's what like, the, what, what the hell happened? was that? Right. What's worse is if you see it coming and you brace for impact and then there's like somewhat of a firm collision there. Like had he turned around and had a chance to brace himself, it would have hurt a hell of a lot worse. So even though it looks atrocious, it probably physically was the best way for it to go down. There is, there is a scene in the movie. I believe it's called due date with Zach Galifianakis and Robert Downey Jr. And there's like a car wreck scene. It, it's basically <laughs> the exact same premise of what you just walked through. It's like a didn't tits up. <laughs> you know, it's like, yes, yes. The, the tense up factor is but, real, but really the reason that mascots are my loser of the weekend. This thing went viral. And it's got me concerned for other mascots because now other organizations are going to try to get similar attention. And so I'm, I'm just worried about the mascot community as a whole, especially during this lull in the sports calendar. Some franchises could be trying to create some buzz by their mascots getting destroyed. That's all I'm saying. And I'm worried about the mascots, Ted, because AJ Dillon destroyed poor Elvis and it was awesome for the Kenosha Kingfish. It's the most attention they've ever gotten. I'm worried about the other mascots. Yeah, it's brutal. Uh, I can imagine there's a lot of those phone calls going on. Hey, did you see the AJ Dillon video? We've got an idea. <laughs> exactly. Hey, uh, just hear me out. Just hear me out. Uh, if- fun fact. Uh, A.J. Dillon was on the Boston College team when I called the, uh, what was it, the first responders bowl in Dallas against Boise State that lasted, I think, seven minutes. 
the one that got canceled. Yeah, the one that got canceled. <laughs> that that check still cash though, baby. Check still cashed. And on that note, episode two thirty two in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder: you can hear Teddy from three to six on ninety four seven The Ref. You can hear me from three to five on Sirius XM Big Twelve Radio Channel three seventy five. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time